Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred words of the Bible. Each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. All right, about that time. So we are uh, Matthew chapter 22. We are in our journey through the New Testament. And um, I don't even remember how many books now we've read uh, of the New Testament, probably six, six or seven. Uh, but we're at Matthew chapter 22. Um, and uh, you know how we do it. We read a chapter, then we pray, then we change the world. Pretty simple. Good morning, everybody. All right. Good morning, Pastor Archie. Good morning, man. Good morning, Kelly. Um, so uh, Matthew, chapter 22. Good morning, Nona. Billy, good morning. Then Jesus, actually doesn't say then, it just says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Remember, we talked about, um, you know, that's how Jesus taught about the kingdom. Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven by using parables. That was his primary teaching mode for, for the kingdom of heaven. So um, Jesus again spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So the way the banquet, the way the weddings worked was there was kind of a two-step process back in, in back in the first century. You would send out an invitation to everyone or everyone you wanted to be at the wedding. And then once everything was prepared, you sent out an, another announcement that the the uh, the wedding is ready. Uh, big time parallel, right? With uh, like John 14, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. There's an announcement that the wedding is coming. And then when Jesus returns, it's like, it's ready, right? Uh, and so that's exactly what happened. They would announce a wedding. The, the groom would go and prepare a place for him and his bride. Um, and then the announcement of the wedding and then the wedding. So the, uh, the announcements have gone out. And so they've been invited. And so now it's time to tell them to come. But they refuse to come. What's up with that? Verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened, cat, my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. We got some, we got some ribeyes. We got some, the, the menus ready. Everything is on point. It's just, all it needs is you. Come to the wedding banquet. Verse five. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Remember, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, right? So this, in the parable, there's a, there's a larger message about the kingdom. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Why did they not deserve? They, they proved unworthy because they did not respond uh, positively when the announcement was given. They were pro they proved themselves to be unworthy. 
They didn't deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could, all they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. So first round of announcements, people didn't respond. So he just threw open the invite to the whole world, went to the highways and byways, to the good people, the bad people. And the place was filled with guests. Good morning, everybody. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. So, what are you doing here, man? You ain't wearing the, you ain't wearing the right clothes. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness and there will be weeping and where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth that turned bad for <laughs> many are invited but few are chosen <laughs> it seemed like we were tracking pretty well and then the end is like whoa what happened well there's a larger meaning there right like you know you don't um you gotta be ready you gotta be ready for the king's banquet you gotta be ready when jesus comes you got to be ready for him. Be prepared. You don't just nonchalantly end up at the wedding banquet of the lamb. It requires a decision. It, the term necessitates our will, our wanting to be there. Many are invited. A lot of people are invited. The whole world for whosoever will, right? Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the what? The whole world. That who, whoever believes in him. But you got to believe. You got to believe. You got to know what you're there for. You got to know. You got your heart and your affections have to be towards the Lord. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Few taken that step and changed their hearts and accepted Christ. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They were always about that. My goodness. They're always about setting traps. Gotcha. Gotcha. Verse 16. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were those who pretty much uh, worshipped, in a sense, uh, King Herod. And if, uh, if not worshipped, they revered him to an unhealthy degree. They were Herodians. They were very much uh, buddied up with Herod. So they were called the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity. They lie. They do not believe that. They lie already. Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They, they just, man, their nose is growing right now. Everybody knows it. You aren't swayed by others because you, you, you pay no attention to who they are. Verse 17. Tell us then, why is, uh, or what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Hmm. Now, the trap is, if he says, yes, we should pay the imperial tax that had Caesar's inscription on it, then the the risk was that that, that people would say that he was uh, not uh, adequately 
affirming the sovereignty of God, that he's giving allegiance to Caesar and not God. So blasphemy of the, to the Jews. If he says, uh, no, you shouldn't pay the tax, then he's uh, going to he's being sub, sub, subversive. He's not giving proper allegiance to the uh, the emperor. So is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? This is a trap. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, they were, see, look, they said they all that stuff about him being a man of integrity and teach the way of God according to the truth. And you never swayed by all that. Jesus, I saw right through that. Jesus said, you ain't even playing with me. <laughs> you ain't, you ain't slipped. You haven't slipped. You haven't slipped that, slipped that past me, not even for a second. So Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites. You never want to be called that by Jesus. That's like the worst thing. You don't want to be called a hypocrite. Why? Let me ask you a question. Jesus is always answering questions with questions. They ask him, is it, is it right? He said, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. You know, it's one of the few times Jesus does actually answer the question. Most of the time, you know, like we talked about Sunday, people ask Jesus a question. He's like, that's a terrible question. This is the question that we really need to be answering. And then he'll go off and answer that question, usually with a story. But here, he does answer with a question, but he actually answers answers their question, which is very helpful. He says, why are you, why are you trying to trap, verse 19, trap me? Verse 19, show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose, ins whose inscription? So it was, a, it was on the coin, and on one side was uh, basically a uh, an inscription, a, an image of Caesar. You know, not so unlike our coins that have uh, the uh, the head of a president. This had the the head of a Caesar, of Caesar, and an inscription uh, affirming uh, Caesar's deity. So. Um, which he wasn't God, but you know, didn't keep him putting on the on the on the coin. <clears throat> he says, "Whose image is this, and whose inscription?" Caesar's. They replied. Then he said to them, "So give back to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's." When they heard that, they were amazed. So they left and went away. I mean, that's a great, that's a perfect answer, right? He's like, you know what? Whose image is on it? Caesar. Give, give the Caesar, Caesar worldly things. Give the Caesar early things. Um, we use that. We talked about this uh, during pre, pre before the election. You know, there's there are certain things as a as a as a follower of Jesus. You know, you owe to your country. You know, you you do certain things. You pay your taxes. You participate in the uh, in the electoral process. You participate in various ways in uh, in your community and in your country. Uh, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But whose image is on your heart? You're, you're made in whose image? You're made in the image of God. So you don't, you never give, you never give your heart to anything other than God. That's huge, man. 
You don't give your heart to a political party. You don't give your heart to an organization. You don't give your heart to any Caesar-esque thing. <laughs> That's not a word. I just made up a word, y'all. But you don't give your heart to that. Why? Because you are made in the image of God and your worship, your ultimate worship and devotion belongs only to God. So you give to Caesar all Caesar needs as long as it doesn't overstep and become worship. We don't give, we don't, we don't worship America. We don't worship the flag. We revere the flag. We can love our country. Lord knows y'all see me enough on here with my American flag hat, and American flag shirt. I'm all about it. Got it on my truck. But I don't worship America. My, the image of God is on my heart. That's where my allegiance goes to. That's what, that's what he's trying to teach us. And you got to watch that, man, because you can, you can get all sideways with that sometimes. You get the flag and the cross all mixed in. Becomes this really weird gumbo. You don't know what you're eating. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I'm just being real with you. You know, there's, you know, there's, mm, it gets weird. So you got to be careful with that. And, and you're going to, you offend people because people start wrapping up their political stuff in religious languages. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to give to Caesar what Caesar's. But I ain't giving to Caesar what's God's. No, 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 no. We ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. So that's why the church got to be the church, man. That's why the church got to be the church. That's why you got to be in the middle. You got to be in that middle ground standing for Jesus. Affirm the things that are right in the culture. Affirm the things that are right in your country. But also call out the things that are inconsistent with the word of God. Because we are citizens of two kingdoms. And our ultimate citizenship is in the kingdom of God. I hear y'all all saying amen out there. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Verse uh, 23. That same day, some the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, which is why they were sad, you see. You knew I had to say that preacher joke. That preacher joke always works, man, right there. It's cheesy, but man, it always works right there. That same day, the Sadducees, who believe there's no resurrection, so they said, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now, hypothetically speaking, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brothers. The same, same thing happened again to the second and the third, down on, right on down to the seventh. And all I'm saying is, look, there's some, there's some serious heretical problem right there. There's some, something in the blood there. I mean, if they're dropping like flies like that, like, I wouldn't even marry another. If I'm like one of them, if I'm one of the ladies, I'm like, I ain't marrying another one. They done four of them done drop dead. I ain't doing it again. But anyway, hypothetically speaking, or, or she poisoning them. <laughs> she poisoning all them old boys. They ain't make, they ain't gonna make it. 
They're going to run out of brothers before they run out of poison. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was a hypothetical, right? So you got this guy. You got this. this, this. Here's hypothetically this lady who's essentially through her life has had seven husbands. That's that's the main point. Uh, so and at the resurrection, because they don't believe in the resurrection, so they're just trying to set a trap for Jesus. Um, verse 29. Or verse 27. Finally, the woman died. Finally, the woman died. And then the, the men stopped dying. Strangely. <laughs> Once, once that lady stopped dying, the men just lived. The husband seven, he lived on. All the other, they left. They lived forever. <laughs> anyway, verse twenty-eight. <laughs> now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Is she wife for, to number one? Is she wife to number four? Is she wife to the seventh husband? Who does she? In the resurrection, who's, whose wife is she going to be? Verse 29. Jesus replied, you are in error. You ain't even reading the Bible right. Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You don't believe in supernatural. You don't. You have no idea about the power of God. You, you're clueless. You're here talking about husbands dropping dead left and right. But you got no idea about the power of God. You're, in, you're into these intellectual games, these mind games and theoreticals and hypotheticals, but you don't know nothing about, you don't know nothing about the power of God. Jesus said that to him. Verse 30. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that God said to you, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is the God. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. It's going to be all it's going to be all different there. There's still going to be family relations. You're still going to know people, but. It's going to be such a different reality. It's going to be such a, a better reality, and there's not going to be any jealousy or bickering because, you know, you got seven brothers up there all claiming the same wife. There would be jealousy and bickering. Just like he's they're going to say. Did you drink that punch? <laughs> yeah, me too. That's why. That's why we got here so quick. <laughs> I'm just. Oh my goodness. Anyway, anyway, there's not gonna be. <laughs> there's not gonna be any jealousy or bickering or envy. So it's gonna be a different reality. Are we gonna know each other in heaven? Yes. Are we gonna have? Are we gonna know each other? You know, have these kind of those loving feelings towards people? Of course. But it's going to be a totally different, higher level of of, uh, uh, of existence. Verse 30. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. I mean, Jesus is just dropping the mic left and right here. I mean, psh. verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees got together. They're like, well, no, we like that. We like that the Sadducees got quiet, what got got shut down. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make our move because we we know better. So they got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is uh, the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Akkad. Love the Lord your God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole book, man, the whole book, this whole book is summed up in, two, in those two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Jesus asked them this. Uh, they think he, they said, he's the son of David, they replied. And he said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? If he's the son of David, why would David call him Lord, right? If the prophecy, if prophetically David's calling Messiah Lord, which is a higher uh, honor, a position higher, why does David, would a, a father would never call his son Lord? So Jesus is in a sense, trapping them. He said, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? <clears throat> For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies, till, till, until I put your enemies under my feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. They're like, mm, we cannot, we cannot hang with him. He knows, he knows a lot more than we do. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So was, was the Messiah the son of David? Yes, he was. He was the son of David, but he was also the Lord. So they understood the humanity of Jesus, but they did not understand the divinity of Jesus. They, they only understood part of the story of Messiah. And Jesus is filling in the other piece that, yes, he is a, uh, Messiah is human, but Messiah is also divine. He is the Lord. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for jumping on today, everybody. You know how. Thank you for joining us today on Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, please help us by spreading the word about the podcast. You can do that by giving us a thumbs up subscribing and sharing it with your friends you can also find me pastor terry as well as bayside church in safety harbor florida on all social media platforms the church you will find at bayside church sh again thank you for being with us today and for sharing this podcast with your friends until next time remember god's word is true everything else is merely commentary god bless you we'll see you next time